Hello and welcome to Macintosh and Mod Haven't Seen What? The podcast where Macintosh and Mod force each other to watch movies they should have already seen. I'm David, aka Macintosh. And I'm Diana, aka Mod. What are we watching this week? yuppie Charlie Babbitt's father left a fortune to his savant brother Raymond and a pittance to Charlie. They travel cross-country. Mm. So 1988, uh-huh. $25 million budget, made $182 million. I'm assuming the $25 million is mostly Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. I don't, I don't know the specifics of that. It's definitely going to be more Dustin Hoffman. But, you know, there's a fancy car. They're in the car the whole time. Yeah, lots of, like, actual airport stuff, shots. so... Lots of weird camera stuff going on. There's a lot of location shooting here, so... Yeah, I know. You know, that adds up. A little bit. $25 million is not a lot of money for a film. No, it's not. No. It's a and 1988? Mm, you know. Nah, it's, still. It's still on the smaller side. It's true. So, you know, it's modest. All right. So we're going to start off with the writer. Barry Morrow did the story, and then he wrote it with Ronald Bass, who did a screenplay. Okay. Uh, Barry Morrow, you wouldn't know from anything else, but he does have a movie, Smitten, that's coming out later this year. But Ronald Bass did My Best Friend's Wedding, Entrapment, in the Joy Luck Club. So he has some cred. I have nothing to say other than Entrapment is not a good movie, but a movie that introduced us to... What's her face in a cat suit? Catherine Zeta Jones? Yeah. It was literally a movie made for that scene where she lithely moves around and we see almost every angle of her body. Yeah, but I think it was one of the first times we had the whole like beat the laser grid thing sequences. So it was done effectively. It was. Yeah, I know. It's a bad movie. An awakening of many, many young teenagers in America. My best friend's wedding is often, like, people think it's amazing, and um, I think it's crap. It's really bad. I've never seen it. I have nothing to say about it. You've never seen My Best Friend's Wedding? No. That's like one of the first movies we got Cameron Diaz. Nope. It's got Dermot McRoney and... Um, I'm sorry, who? I can't say his name. Dermot Mulroney. Okay, cold, missing a tooth. Makes things hard. Which is fine, but Mulcony is, like, not Mulroney. even near it. Mulroney. Close enough. Whatever. That one's better. And then Rupert Everett. Whatever. <laughs> that movie's stupid, but it is fun. Okay, so what did you think of the writing? Um, I don't know kind of where to start in, one, my misgivings about this movie, mm-hmm. and then my misgivings that don't necessarily lead me to think it's terrible. Okay. First of all, you have to put it in the you you sort of have to put it in the context of time, though this movie hasn't aged well. And it, the reason it hasn't aged well is because they treat autism and savantism with this really blunt take. I think that's accurate for 1988. Uh, exactly. I mean, I, there is that truth that if if I'm looking at it in context of when it came out, mm-hmm. It's a pretty, it's a pretty... Insensitive. <laughs> well, it's incredibly insensitive now, but mm-hmm. at the time, they are flipping the trope on its head that, you know, 
somebody like that just has to be put in a mental institution yes. and never talk to again. Mm-hmm. That's well, and there the are people who still forward. fully believe that. True. Um, and a weird point, not really weird, Raymond is actually based on a real person. Okay. And it was Dustin Hoffman who insisted on the character not just being mentally handicapped and to use a word that we don't use anymore, retarded. Right. He was the one who pushed for him to be autistic. Well, I mean, Dustin Hoffman has always been a true method actor. Mm-hmm. Seen yes. the tr- and gone to mm-hmm. great lengths to perform those characters. Still involved in one of my favorite quotes of all time, which is, he was running marathons every day for Marathon Man, uh-huh. went to Laurence Olivier, and Laurence Olivier says, yes, son, why don't you just act? Yeah, no, no, but originally Dustin Hoffman was playing Charlie. Wow. And he was so against Raymond just being mentally handicapped that the original director left, and that was Martin Brest. So this was a completely different movie to start with. It was different. Um, They based uh, Raymond on Kim Peek, who Barry Morrow had met, and when he won his Oscar, he gave it to him. Oh, that's that's really cool. cool. Uh, Dustin Hoffman met um, Leslie Lanky, who is blind and has cerebral palsy, but she was able to play concertos by ear on the piano, and that's what helped inspire him to be like, no, I need to show this type of skill to the world. Yeah. yeah something interesting is like right around this time, Awakenings came out with Oliver Sacks, and, mm-hmm. and we've, we kind of talked about it, I think, when we talked about some Oscar winners, mm-hmm. but... Reading some of Oliver Sacks' work and learning about Oliver Sacks looking at the stories of mm-hmm. people with true neurological disorders, which autism isn't, no. but he's looking at people with true brain disorders, mm-hmm. and in those cases, humanizing those people through these stories. Yes. It's the same thing. Awakenings did that as well. And so this movie really plays up against that that mm-hmm. notion of treating somebody with some type of disorder, whether it's a physical issue with the brain or just a true mental imbalance of some sort. Yeah. As a human. Yes. Yeah. Um, so that's what that's what the writing gets right. What the writing gets wrong to me, I don't think there's a single person that I don't feel is a loathable character out of anybody. And that includes Susanna. That scene in the elevator just made me feel gross. I don't like that she kissed him. I do like that she danced with him. Yes, but then the um, kiss the kiss and the overly like sensualized sexualizing of it that is partly Levinson how he frames it in that elevator. I don't know. I think some of that is just us. I think today we've seen so much of, you know, people being taken advantage of and things being over sexualized. I think there it was really more she felt that he was feeling disappointed about his date being canceled. And so that's why she was dancing with him. And then it just kind of went a little farther. I agree that it shouldn't be there. Well, it's unnecessary. But that also goes to the fact that people do not understand the emotive side of autism and how a lot of people with autism don't show emotions at all. Right. They don't experience in the same way. Which I understand. It's just, to me, the motivations of every character, including the one who's supposed to be the most pure, mm-hmm. winds up just feeling totally self-centered. Well, she's a shitty character to begin with. Exactly. And and that's really my problem. Is like, even Charlie, who has some redeeming moments in it... He does. The whole movie, you're like, 
but you're a fucking asshole. Why do I care about you? The, that's, whole, the that's, whole concept is bad. That's where that's where the writing just mm-hmm. falls apart for me. Yes. And, and so it's like, that's why I'm like, I have these misgivings because there is a really co- good nugget of a story there. Yes. But you've got all these surrounding characters who only give a shit about themselves. Oh, totally. Except for the only one that you care about the whole movie. Well, I don't think that's necessarily true. There's Dr. Brunner who doesn't care only for himself. He says. No, he doesn't. I, I thought that that was consistent throughout. Maybe. He's just a wooden and stiff you don't care anyway. He's just sort of like, I'm a doctor who's supposed to be here. I do think it was ridiculous that, okay, Charlie shows up and he doesn't even explain who he is, like, who Raymond is. Like, that just is discovered by accident. It's ridiculous. The, the whole... The that whole... whole premise is ridiculous and insulting to the audience because that would probably never happen. I'm sure it has happened somewhere, but it's just so ridiculous. Well, and you can take it. You can take it in the context of 1988, but there's a there's a limit to how far you can let that play out. I mean, it's, we said the same thing with Network, that it was groundbreaking for a long time, but now it's lost that sheen. That's fair. And this movie, I think, has timed out. It's just like all of the stuff you sit there going, none of this is fucking... Particularly with... I don't advancement's not the right word but um now that we have so much more information about autism and asperger's and all those types of diagnoses and therapies and 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 how to not even necessarily because treatment isn't always the right word for autism but how to support support and help people live the best life they can Mm -hmm. yeah knowing what's going on yes and so you know some of it's that factor of time, mm-hmm. and then some of it's just that the story is in and of itself bad. Yeah. It's just a bad 80s movie couched with a really interesting character in the middle of it. Okay, so we're not huge fans of the writing. Not particularly. There, they had. There's a really great idea in there. There is. And a decent really... one at that. It's, yeah. a de- it's a decent one, but it wasn't done very well. No, okay. not at all. Okay, so how do we feel about the director? Barry Levinson... Before this, he did Diner. Which is widely considered his masterpiece. Uh, he did The Natural, which is on our list for later this year. Which I didn't realize, but... Good uh, Morning... Uh, good, I was about to say Good Morning America. Good Morning Vietnam. Still haven't seen it. Desperately have wanted to for a long That's time. That's a great Robin Williams film. And then after this film, he went on to do Toys. I weirdly love that movie, as weird as it is. It is so bizarre, but I'm a little obsessed with it. A sphere, wag the dog, wag and the wizard dog is, of lies. Wa- wag the dog's amazing. We need to rewatch that. It's very applicable to our life right now. So yeah, uh, clearly he continued to work with Dustin Hoffman, and he he's got a little thing going on with Robert De Niro too. Well, yeah. Okay, so how do you do with directing? Is it just me, or is this movie weirdly directed? Why do you say weird? We get long sequence shots mm-hmm. of the road. Yes. We get distance shots constantly of the two talking and we're not seeing any close-ups with them. There's like weird camera angles and things linger for a certain okay. time. Okay, the camera angle with Raymond was a very specific choice. He is typically shot in profile because as an autistic man, he would not make eye contact with you. Fair. I agree with the long shots of the car, and well, it's, it's like, a little weird. It's like he lets every single shot linger. Linger, and so some of this had to have been, I guarantee you, that the best moments that we saw from Dustin Hoffman were improvised. 
because that's what Dustin Hoffman does. You're shaking your head no. There's one scene that is famously improvised. Which is? That's when they're in the, the phone booth and he farts. <laughs> because Dustin Hoffman actually passed gas. And then they just both they, kept they going. They just kept going. Great. Then it's a little... It's so weird because he just lets the camera roll for about, I don't know, 10 to 15 seconds longer than you think the scene's going to cut. Yeah. It's a little weird. Well, and... It's lingering. So there's a famous... There's one really famous case that Dustin Hoffman was involved in with this, uh-huh. and that was The Graduate. Mm-hmm. The end of The Graduate, which the shot, you know, the, the movie's over, and then the shot keeps going for a solid two minutes. Yeah. And you just see this terror, look of terror on both of their faces as yeah. they're in the bus. I feel like somehow Barry Levinson glommed onto that and then just kept doing it through the whole movie. It's possible. Like, and so maybe that's just editing. Mm-hmm. But it feels like there's not a specific rhyme or reason of why he decided to put those moments there. Mm. Now, in the moments of terror, in the moments where um, Raymond is completely flustered and losing it, when you know we get the the fire alarm sequence and the the steady cam mm-hmm. close ups, move all the movement with the camera. Uh-huh. That's something Barry Levinson's known for, as far as I can remember. And I thought those sequences were good, and those sequences are good. It's just there's some choices that I'm going. I don't. Why did we do this? Is it because we're trying to make a great American road movie? Because <laughs> that's not what this movie is. So, so this film was shot mostly in sequence, which is very unusual. Wow. And Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise were really unsure of how good this movie was going to be. And so they would kind of make fun of it. And so they would refer to this movie as two schmucks in a car. <laughs> that's it's what they, true. That's what they called it. Two they, schmucks in a car. They're not wrong. No. I mean, it just, those things, they, they just, it, it just keeps going. And this movie... I don't think the direction adds anything special to the movie. Not at all. And, like, you could tell me almost anybody did this movie and it would have been like, okay, I don't care. There's a few things where you're like, okay, I kind of see that this is a Barry Levinson movie. But still, there's just some weirdness in it. Yeah. And this is a two hour and 15 minute movie. You could make this an hour and a half. There's so much shit that you could just get rid of. Yeah. And ratchet up. They could have they needed to make Charlie's story up front tighter. Absolutely. Um he does like I get that he's a spoiled asshole. Right. And that's fine, but you're making him a bad guy. I don't feel like I mean, by the time you finally getting or get around to kind of redeeming him, yeah, you don't care. He's lost all purchase in his character. And, you know, I kind of feel for him at the end, but I still feel like, what the fuck has he actually learned? <laughs> Again, I think that's the writing more than anything. Yeah, no, no, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, what he did is horrible. He kidnapped his brother. Because he was pissed off about not getting an inheritance. Yeah. Instead of fighting the custody battle and letting Raymond be where he was. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. Okay, so let's go through our cast. Okay. We start with Dustin Hoffman. Best part of this movie. Oh, hands down. Simply amazing performance. Hands down. This is a this is a classic Oscar performance from him. Mm-hmm. Everybody else in this movie, they ebb and flow on whether or not they're doing a good job. Him, the whole movie, he's just insanely good. And yes. subtle. Yeah. Incredibly subtle for a movie that has such a reputation of not being subtle with the reference. It reminds me so much of Tom Hanks in Forrest Gump. Maybe a little bit, but... 
there's even more so there's a groundedness that i mean forrest gump wasn't meant to be grounded forrest gump was meant to be way up in the air and and kind he of was supposed crazy. to be somewhat of a fantastical character right but you you sympathize with him so much true um i i got that here i did too and it, it's all the more telling because you flinch every time somebody talks shit to him Oh, yeah, you just feel bad. Exactly. Or when he freaks out, you want to freak out for him. Mm, those are the most incredible moments when he when he has his meltdowns. Yeah. And it's it's so real. You're just mm-hmm. like, oh, God, oh, God, I just want to hug you. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Oh, but, okay, that moment towards the end when he puts his head on Charlie, like, that's his hug. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just like, oh, <laughs> it's so sweet. And I... I We'll we'll get there with Tom Cruise, but I love the fact that Tom Cruise doesn't just break down sobbing. He does he chokes the tears back and keeps trying to hold it together, which yep. just makes it even more heartbreaking. Because yep. that's what Charlie would do. Charlie wouldn't break down sobbing. He would just be like, "Gotta, gotta hold it together. I'm a I'm I'm, I'm a dude. I'm yeah. a man." Yeah. Well, I also really like. Okay, so getting into Tom Cruise, this is not Tom Cruise's best film. It, no, but it's not a bad one. No, this is. This is early Tom Cruise getting his full dramatic chops. Like, I really like the scene when he's figuring out that he did know who Raymond was for a very long time. Oh, my God. He's like, you were Rain Man. He's like, was I trying to say Raymond? And they're like, yeah. He, and then the whole hot water hurt baby. And he goes, they sent you away because they were worried you were going to hurt me. Yeah. And you're just like... <laughs> so his parents weren't monsters. His mom died, and it just sucked. It's just a shitty situation. That is the one credit I'll give this movie is they didn't pander to that something bad happened. They simply said everybody had to make the decision they had to make in the moment. Yep. And nobody was happy about it. No. Nobody. No. But they had to do what they had to do. Yep. And so, you know, they can look back on it and maybe decide they made the wrong choice. But, you know, that's that's why it's so telling that Charlie finally goes at the end and says, you know, it's not about the money for me anymore. Yeah. It's about the fact that I finally got to know this guy for six days and I'd like to have known him for a lot longer in my life. Yep. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, look, Tom Cruise is a hell of an actor and say what you want about his personal stuff, but like he does some amazing work yeah and this is kind of the start of that finding his groove as less of an action ingenue star and more of a a possible dramatic lead as well he's always gone back and forth in his career on that stuff and now he's kind of back in an action role in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. but there was a period there where like as a true dramatic lead he's amazing oh i agree i mean far and away other than his accent being shitty it's 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 a good film. Never seen it. My my personal favorite, and I can't remember if he won an Oscar, is his his role in Magnolia as yeah. stereotypical. He has not been nominated. Wow. A lot of people did believe that this was where he was where he was passed over. It's a little fair. His his performance in Magnolia is kind of amazing, especially for how stereotypical it kind of seems at first. But he totally flips it on its head. Yeah. Which, and, you know, I think it was Pete Holmes, somebody who we really like, was talking to Tom Cruise and was like, man, you were great in Magnolia. Why don't you do more with Paul Thomas Anderson? And then it was just, like, really uncomfortable because they knew it was, like, because of the 
the master. Yeah. Yeah. Because he knew that that he was working on that. Of course. Like, mm-hmm. I still hold some secret hope. He's distanced himself a little more recently, and I got the secret hope that he's finally going to be the one that breaks it all apart and it's like, yeah, I'm done. No, I don't think he will because I think they'll. Get, I legitimately think they'll kill him. <laughs> if he if he speaks out, they will kill him. Like I think right now they're giving him a very long leash because otherwise he would lose his daughter. Well, and I, I think I think he's definitely just one of those guys who's like, he'll still be in the church, but he's like, I'm not going to be your figurehead anymore. Like, find somebody new, I'm taking a step back. <laughs> yeah, we're slightly obsessed with the whole Scientology, <laughs> the Master, going clear, all of that stuff. I've still it's not like, seen the Master, I'm so upset. Yeah, we haven't watched, watched that, but we've watched Going Clear... I've listened to Lee Remini's book. It's nuts. I'm, we're a little upset. There's a podcast called Oh No, Ross and Carrie. They do a whole series of them actually joining Scientology. It's nuts. <laughs> it's fascinating. I um, love it. But setting all of that aside, I mean, he's always been a great actor. And yes. this is this is a chance to get to see him do some uneven work, but still some good work. Yes. And there's really no one else worth talking about except for Bonnie Hunt. I mean, this is her film debut. And she's delightful. Yes, she is the waitress who drops the toothpicks. I mean, gets two minutes of screen time and is kind of one of the most memorable people in the movie. She's adorable. We love her. Uh Uh-huh. Okay, so let's do Oscars. Okay. So this is the Best Picture winner. All right. Um, It won for Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Director, Best Writing for the Screen. And then it was nominated for Cinematography, Set Direction, Editing, and Score. Oh, editing. This was such a badly edited movie. I know. The cinematography is really good. I'll give it that. Okay. This is who it was up against for picture. Mm-hmm. Mississippi Burning. Whoa. And I haven't seen that, but I want to. Working Girl. I haven't seen that. Dangerous Liaisons. I haven't seen that either. And The Accidental Tourist. I don't even know that. That's the one with Gina Davis. She won this year for that. Okay. So, I'm, I would probably have given it to Working Girl. It's a better movie overall. I haven't seen Mississippi Burning. I know that it's intense yeah, I and seen amazing. That. Okay, so for actor, okay, we know Dustin Hoffman won. Yes. He was up against Edward James Olmost for Stand and Deliver. I'm sorry, Edward James who? Olmost. <laughs> Edward James Olmost? Shut up! Is the 30 Oops. Rock impersonator. I know! <laughs> they also say that on Friends. Um, and what's the name of the movie again? Stand and Deliver. Yeah, I know. That's such a huge deal. Every high school student has to watch that movie. Except for me, because I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. Gene Hackman in Mississippi Burning. Yeah. Uh, Max von Snowden for Pele the Conqueror. Max von who? Snowden. Sidow. Sidow. (laughs) Max von Snowden. I think the way I have it written makes it look like Snowden. (laughs) The... Swedish character actor, famously in The Seventh Seal, who also revealed many state secrets via WikiLeaks. Correct. <laughs> and then Tom Hanks for Big. A legitimately great nomination. That movie is genius. I've never seen it the <gasps> whole way through. I've seen a lot of it. You've Don't get never me wrong. seen Big the whole way through? I've seen it in part. You know what? I take that back. I have seen it once the whole way through. I think I watched it at some point. And finally sat down. It wasn't my favorite. That I think he's the great. Best. I think he's great. I think the movie's terrible. It's, well, it's not <gasps> terrible. I think the movie's not that great. You're he wrong. is the. Oh, he is f- phenomenal. Well, that's what I mean. He's the only reason that movie is good. 
if it was just a generic movie with generic actors doing it, it wouldn't be anything. But oh. he's the reason why it's good. Okay, well, Dustin Hoffman earned his Oscar. Absolutely. He's so, this is freaking fair. incredible. <laughs> okay, director. Okay, so Barry Levinson won an Oscar for this. Uh, well, he was up against Charles Chitton for A Fish Called Wanda. Oh. This is that year. Oh. This is that year. Oh, I have a soft spot in my heart for that movie. Mike Nichols for Working Girl. Alan Parker sense. for Mississippi Burning. Okay. And Martin Scorsese for The Last Temptation of Christ. Now, that movie wasn't going to win. No, um, he was never going to win for that. I still want to see that movie, though I understand the point of it. Mm-hmm. I do. I understand what it's supposed to symbolize and what it means. Uh-huh. Because it's a, it's a thought experiment is basically what it is. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm curious about it because that was a labor of love for him. No, I understand that. In a lot of ways. He was never going to win. Well, he was still in movie jail for some in some respects. Because of it. No, because of drugs. Oh, well, he was also in it because of that movie specific- specifically. Yeah, well, two years later, he did Goodfellas and made a huge fucking comeback. So... Yeah, yeah, that's on a previous episode. If you want to hear us talk about that, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed that film. <laughs> you shouldn't be. It's freaking great. I knew it was going to be good, but you know... Sometimes you're disappointed. Martin Scorsese. Scorsese. I can't wait till we get to singles. Okay. Anyway. Uh, okay, so this is what's going to make you mad. Okay, so they won for writing for screen. Uh-oh. It was up against Big, Running on Empty, Bull Durham, and A Fish Called Wanda. Yeah, A Fish Called Wanda and Bull Durham are way better at movies. Okay, I know you love A Fish Called Wanda. You repeat that line to me all the fucking time. Okay. I'm going to k- 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 kill your fish. Yes, this has been the last 12 years of my life. <laughs> uh, Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> uh, I I enjoy that movie. I adore Kevin Kline with all of my soul. But yeah, that's a better movie than this one. I mean... Like, I like this movie. I like Rain Man, but A Fish Called Wanda should have won for that. I don't hate this movie. You haven't seen Bull Durham yet either. The only reason I wouldn't give it to Bull Durham is... Well, we'll talk about it then. Yes, because we will watch Bull Durham. We're doing a sports series this summer. Sporps! Sporps! We're doing sports ball movies, because there's a lot that are random that I've seen that you never have, and then there's a lot of really classic ones that I've never seen. So we have some good back and forth on that. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to get into some fun trivia that may paint your view of this film a little bit more. Okay. Okay, so Hans Zimmer did the score. He was nominated. It's super 80s. This was his first score for a Hollywood film. That makes sense. He did Miami Vice, right? I think so. Was that him? I don't know. Look it up. Go on the Google box. No, that was Jan Hammer. I don't know who that is. German dudes. Don't worry about (laughs) it. Uh, Jack Nicholson and Robert De Niro turned down the part of Raymond. Jack Nicholson and who again? Robert De Niro. Yeah, that makes sense. Robert De Niro would have been horrible. Yeah. I'm sorry. I like Robert De Niro a lot. He would have been horrible. Awakenings makes a whole lot more sense for him, for somebody who's coming out of Catatonia. Uh That works a whole lot better for him. And Nicholson probably would have hammed it up just a little too much. I like Jack Nicholson, don't get me wrong, but it, it would have been right with him. I like Jack Nicholson. I like young Jack Nicholson. I think he's just been riding the coattails of his youth since then. He's not acting anymore. I know. So, you know. <laughs> but everything he's done in, while I've been alive is is not great. I know, but man, all those 70s movies he did, God, he's amazing in them. I give pause to As Good As It Gets because that one is interesting. That's a wonderfully written film, too. It's true. I'll, I'll give it that. Uh, okay. Tom Cruise was constantly wanting to rehearse. That 
That sounds like Tom Cruise. Which is not what Dustin Hoffman is, because he's very method. Nope. Um, but they would do so in the car in between takes, and they would switch roles. Ah, fun. I actually did that with a scene partner once. We we had this scene where we'd, we had just gotten our, our lines down so well, we decided to just start doing it where we were the opposite. We were playing this old husband and wife on a porch, and it was really funny. Yeah. Because we would just go nuts. Uh, during the the filming of the Las Vegas stuff, the gambling, Dustin Hoffman would actually wander off in between takes and go gamble. They had to assign somebody to watch him because he would run away. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Dustin Hoffman spent a year with autistic men and their families to study them. That's classic Dustin Hoffman. Uh, Tom Cruise's wearing of Ray Bans increased sales fifteen percent. <laughs> That man touches anything. I know. Well, okay, not anymore, but he used to. At the height of his powers, my God. I mean, this is two years after Top Gun, man. Stupid fucking movie. Say what you want, though. That was a big fucking deal. I know. It is still a big fucking deal. Like, I I understand. I understand while everybody loves that movie. It's the worst movie ever. But it's kind of the best worst movie ever. I am. Not its target audience. I know, but it's so much fun to watch. It is fun, especially when you're drinking. Especially to make fun of it. True. Dustin Hoffman originally wanted Bill Murray to play Charlie. I am so glad they went with somebody younger. Agreed. I really do. If they had had somebody about his age, I just don't feel like it would have worked as well. Uh, No, I agree. I'm trying to think of who else would have been good around this time. Sean Penn might have been great. (gasps) Yeah, he was in jail. Uh, not like actual, well, maybe actual job. I don't remember, but he was in trouble. He was in deep trouble. He was in trouble. But Sean Penn would have been a perfect choice. Uh, Timothy Hutton. Ooh, Timothy Hutton. I always forget about him. Why, I'm naming people from Taps at this point. <laughs> it's true. Um. <laughs> well, this movie was originally written for the Quaid brothers. Randy and Dennis. Kind of makes sense. That would have been good. Okay, and my last tiny fun bit of trivia was that this uh, year of the Oscars was the first year they started using and the Oscar goes to instead of the previous and the winner is. Ah. They felt and the Oscar goes to was a more professional sounding way because it is an honor to be nominated regardless of whether or not you win. I roll. Okay. It is an honor to be nominated. Agree. But when you get into Meryl Streep, I've been nominated 20 times. So no one gives a fuck. I don't give a shit. Do I have to show up? But I'm not getting the trophy. I'm not showing up. That's really what it comes down to. Also, just like, it's such a just big party for them to have anyway. I don't think it means nearly as much to people in the industry as it does to the rest of us watching it. It does in the I'm sense okay that, with that it does in the sense that it will bring people to the box office. And so True. to win an for a movie that had a low profile to win Oscars is a huge deal uh, for box office receipts. Yes. But that's about it. Uh, it's that. And some for some people, it's a lot of validation, um, either of the material or of the person involved in it. Yeah. And that can that's important. It is a huge honor. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It just, for them, it's 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 a party. Of course, yes, for Way many people. Way more than it is, you know, uh, some, like a Nobel Prize. <laughs> eh, still. I don't know. Anyway, it's fine. Okay, so I guess our only thing we have to do next is our ratings. Well, that's you. Because this, this is, is, my movie. is your movie. This is my movie. I'm, um, I'm going to go with the three. Okay. 
there's a really good story in here. Oh, yeah. There's a really wonderful idea. And a really fucking good performance. And the Oscar-winning, hands-down, no-argument-winning performance. So it's a three. I don't think this is a best picture, right? I mean, judging by what it's up against, who knows? I, I haven't seen it. We haven't seen everything, so it's harder to tell. I, and I haven't, I mean, you, you mentioned Working Girl, but I haven't seen it. I haven't seen have to fix that. a bunch of these other things. So so I can't I can't say that judgment, but this doesn't feel like a best no, picture it quality movie. It doesn't. This feels like an interesting lost cable classic. It does. This feels like one of those movies that would come on TNT and you wouldn't know anything about it, and then you'd watch it and be like, huh. You'd watch it in reruns. And you'd be like, huh, that's that was actually kind of a good movie. A little weird. Kind of but... like how I feel about American Sweethearts. Like nobody saw this movie, but it's wonderful. Well, except that that's not serious romantic comedy that's not trying to take itself seriously. This movie's definitely trying to take itself seriously. Yeah, but nobody should have seen this movie. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this just doesn't feel like it should have had that high of a profile. Agreed. And I so, think it's because of Dustin Hoffman. That's the only air of credibility it got to that level. Okay. I give it a three. Oh, we're both giving it threes. Yeah, like I said, I had many reasons to have misgivings about this movie. Fair. And then sort of wins you over in spite of those things, except that you still are like, he, I just don't care about anybody except Raymond. Yeah. There's nobody else I care about, and I feel like they're all kind of awful people, including Susanna, who's like the only person that you should have some other slight bit of empathy with. Yes. Because still, I feel like she only gives a shit about herself. It's like she she wants her boyfriend. It's weird. It's weird. It's her character's weird. Well, and like I said, I just I get to I get to that elevator scene and I'm like, you haven't earned this. I don't feel any connection between you and him. And the I'm dancing, yes. The and I'm really it, no. scared that you're about to try to take him and have sex with him. Oh god, that would have been horrible. If that had happened, I would have never suggested watching this movie. Because I feel like this would that would be what a normal eighties movie would do. Because how we came up with our list of Oscar films to do, we wanted to do best pictures because those are the big winners. That's yeah. that's the prize that everybody wants for the night. Um, we went through okay, what's who won the last few years, and we felt like the last few years were too recent, and we've seen a lot of those. So we just kind of started with what was what what had we not seen, and what was ridiculous. So we started with Braveheart. Uh, we're going to do Titanic, and we just kind of went from there. We tried to pick some that were a little bit older, some that were a little bit newer, and this was just one of those, oh, that wasn't too old. We sh You should have seen this. This just felt like a really weird off year it, for them it is altogether. Weird. It's a weird, it's like that crash year. What uh, were you people thinking? Well, next week's movie is a movie, God bless it, I've been trying to see forever. Next week we're going to do one that neither of us have seen. We're going to do The Sting. Oh my gosh. I've wanted to watch this movie for so long. Robert Redford. Paul and Newman. Paul Newman. Two of the most handsome gentlemen ever to have graced the silver screen. Butch and Sundance themselves. And this time... Oh yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, I know. I've never seen that one. That one's one. going on there eventually. Ah, damn. But this one, I've I've long wanted to watch this. I've anticipated it for so long. Me I'm too. I've heard the theme it. a million times. Well, it is The Entertainer by Scott Joplin, so you've heard it because it's everywhere. But I've always associated it with clips from this movie. That's fair. So that's why. I haven't even seen clips that much. What? Just nothing. Oh, goodness. And I've wanted to, man. Yeah. 
So we're going to watch The Sting. So this should be a fun experience. This is the first time we've done a movie where neither of us have seen it. And hey, con men doing a long con. A little bit better than, you know, trying to deal with something deep and weighty. <laughs> like war or autism. All right. guys we saw the phantom thread adding uh we got we're working through those oscar nominated films and that one came up for us this week set in 1950s london reynolds woodcock is a renowned dressmaker whose fastidious life is disrupted by a young strong-willed woman alma who becomes his muse and lover mm-hmm. so let's talk okay let's talk about the film itself and then we'll talk about its its nomination absolutely okay that's the best way to do this this was unexpected. It was. Um, I've seen a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson. I have the two that I haven't seen are The Master and Magnolia. Magnolia. I've seen bits of Magnolia, but I've never seen the whole thing through. Or Punch Drunk Love. Correct. I have not seen Punch Drunk Love. And either. then we never Sorry. saw we never saw Inherent Vice. That one's more recent. Okay, so I guess I haven't seen a lot of Paul Thomas Anderson. You've seen, you've seen. I've seen the other big ones. You've seen the other big ones because mm-hmm. the the biggest thing is I haven't seen Boogie Nights. You have, mm-hmm. and you haven't seen Magnolia, and I have. Mm-hmm. Um, we both haven't seen The Master. And There Will Be Blood is in my top pantheon of films ever made. It's a great movie. I I don't. I mean, I don't think it's the best film ever, but I would put it up there in, like, a top 50 for sure. I put it in the top 10 for certain. That movie is also marred because when we went to go see it in the theater, I started to get a migraine about five minutes in. Yeah. And that's a three-hour movie. Uh, And that is a movie that is not going to help with a migraine in any way. So, like, I was watching it going, like, I know this is a good movie. I know this is a good movie, but I want to leave. I want to go home now. Because I don't feel good. It It was one of those situations, and so I always kind of associated that with the film. Give it a few years, and then you can rewatch it, and I think... No, it's still a great film. I just... I... Whatever. I adore that movie. I I recognize... (laughs) I recognize it's a great film, and I recognize Um. that you love it. Anyways, let's talk about this one. (laughs) This one, which I thoroughly enjoyed. I did, too. There's, There's a lot more humor in it than I was expecting. There is, and I... You know, in talking about it, I think... I would almost love to go watch this again with the entire thought in mind of I'm watching a comedy. I'm not watching a drama. I'm not watching a prestige period piece. I'm mm-hmm. watching a a dark satire or a dark comedy, really, not even satire. That would be interesting. Uh, this is a very different character for Daniel Day-Lewis. This movie is incredibly subtle and quiet. Yes, it's a very quiet film. Which is very interesting for P.T. Anderson. He he tends to do quiet with a lot of big moments. Exactly. And we have... we, we There are some still big moments, but they're understated. Everything is understated. But it, it was very good. It's just different. It's good. Um, it's, very, it's very intimate and personal. Paul Thomas Anderson recently did an interview with Terry Gross on which, Fresh Air. Which is always wonderful. And it's very good. It gives a lot of really wonderful insight into what he was doing with this film. So if you haven't listened to that, I definitely would suggest it. Uh, I don't want to give anything away about the film here. 
Uh, it's good. It's it's very good. Well, and I liked it more than I was expecting to. And what's funny is I feel like that's how most of his movies come about. Like hearing your description and then thinking back to some of the stories I've heard about how he's come up with other ideas. Mm-hmm. It's very similar. It starts with a very small kernel for him and then yes. just and then just grows and, and grows something and it's much bigger. Yes. And he takes a lot of time with his films too, oh, which, yes. which shows it does. His level of detail is quite he He's one of the he's one of the few real singular auteurs in in filmmaking. The completely self made style and vision, yes, that's still around. The probably the biggest example from America being Kubrick. Mm -hmm. He and he, you can tell he has influences from Stanley Kubrick all over his films. Mm -hmm. Um, Although he's not known as being as much of an asshole. Just intense, but known for being a decent guy. Just really hard, hard working. Okay, so Phantom Thread nominated for six Oscars. Mm -hmm. Six categories. First of all, common knowledge, actor in a leading role, Daniel Day-Lewis. Daniel Day-Lewis, he was great. He's great. I don't think he's Oscar-worthy winning in this movie. And that's not a slight on it. He's not the sole focus of the movie, and he's meant to be a part of a whole, I think. Perhaps, but I, th- I mean, granted, we haven't seen the other performances, but I, it's, I honestly, just from previews, I would give it to, to Gary, Gary Oldman. Oldman. Yeah. I, that's the next high priority film for us to go see that and call me by your name, but. I this mean, isn't a, this isn't a standout performance as much as it is an interesting performance. Yeah. It's just different for him. We haven't gotten this from him. He hasn't used his, he's using his actual accent. He's not using a voice this time. I mean, he hasn't done that in years. And to be fair, he is delightful, too. He is. He's very good. Actress in a supporting role, Leslie Manville. Okay. She's going to give Allison Janney a run for her money. She steals this movie. She has the hardest role in the whole film, and she is amazing. And I'm sorry, but she, it's her, Allison Janney, now. I thought it was going to be between Allison Janney and Laurie Metcalf. Sorry, Laurie, you're out. It's Janney or... or or Manville. If you That's go, see, if you go see the movie, I'm not going to spoil it. Just know that her character is named Cyril because mm-hmm. you won't know who she is. She's not. Uh, she's she's a, not a she's, known actress. She's a British actress. She's yes. done a lot of television over there. So just watch out for Cyril if mm-hmm. you go see this movie. Yes. And then just be blown away. Mm-hmm. Costume design. Uh, this movie is going to win costume design. Oh my god. Uh, it is up against. Beauty and the Beast, Darkest Hour, uh, Shape of Water, and Victorian Abdul. It's this film or Shape of Water, and this film wins hands down. It's he, not just the pretty co- It's not just the pretty dresses. It's it's not the pretty dresses. Um, and I paid a lot of attention. I knew this was going to be a big one for costume. It has to be. He's playing a clothing designer. Absolutely. But what they do with what the people, the actual people, not the models, are wearing, is fascinating. And very well done. And I would, I, I almost want, I want to talk about it. I want to talk about it so bad. We'll talk about I, it a little I'm bit. Gonna, I'm going to talk about it right now, and you're going to cut it as a little spoiler. Same, uh, it's so good. I love it. I, I really need Tom and Lorenzo to talk about this movie. I really do. It wins. It wins. It wins. It wins costume. Okay, sorry. Um, directing Paul Thomas Anderson. Nope, sorry, you're not going to win. This goes to Guillermo, and that's, that's only because this is, this is not, a, a grand vision per se. It's it's a just a lot of other filmmakers could make this movie. Yes and no. A lot of other filmmakers could make this movie. Not a lot of the other filmmakers could pull off the subtlety with which he put into it. Okay, 
But like Christopher Nolan could do this exact film. He could. He could do this exact film. It would be way fucking different. It would be different. Of course, it would be different. But I'm saying he could pull off the same thing. I he don't. Has. I don't think he could. He could. I think. I think it's just odd and weird enough that only Pete. He leaves no. a stamp on it. Yeah. No. For me, he does. The writing is better than directing. I will agree with that. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, it's so hard when you've got the one person doing it together because no, you don't know where it blends and ends. No, I, I agree. But um, this one needs to go to Guillermo. That's true. <laughs> Music original score by Johnny Greenwood. This is a load of crap. This is shit. It's not gonna win. I completely disagree. The music sounds like Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. No, it, it sounds, sounds like fucking Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. It sounds like 1950s music scores and jazz. That's Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Okay, that's fine. but it's... And it doesn't help that it's played over scenes of people doing all these sorts of work, especially like manual, a lot of people sewing and there's no talking. That's a lot of what happens on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Okay, fine. I take your point. However, I feel that the tone of it is so wonderful and the tone over time gets more and more atonal and broken apart and fragmented as it goes along. I did not hear that. I did. A little bit. I did. Now, granted, what I, what I did think about was, I think what's interesting about Johnny Greenwood scores is that they're always somehow very specifically tied to the movie and don't stand apart on their own, which is why I definitely think it's not going to win this Oscar. It doesn't have a shot in hell. Look, you're going to have to listen to it for yourself and decide. I think it's great. I, I admit freely that's probably because I'm a fanboy. Oh, you are a fanboy. But I do genuinely like this um, score. Here's the thing. If you took it out, it wouldn't make any difference to me. It would to me. It definitely would. It doesn't help. It doesn't hurt the film. It doesn't help it. I feel like it's very integral. Anyway, we completely disagree on this one. Uh, no, you're wrong. You're just wrong. It's okay. You're wrong. It's okay. Podcast over. We're done. <laughs> uh, Finally, best picture. No chance. No, no. Um, we, we know it's it's a lovely addition to this year's roster. It's it's a it's a fair nomination because it is a good film and it's different and it was surprising. Definitely surprised us. It it does in a in a kind of fun little way, but mm-hmm. it's just it doesn't match the top end of what we've had this year. Okay, so Phantom Thread's only going to walk away with Best Costume. That's how we feel about this. But it's awesome. It's still a great film. Go see it. Dark Horse for Leslie Manville, because holy shit, she is great. I would not be disappointed if she won for um, Best Actress, or I Best think Supporting she, Actress. But, I, it's her or Janie. It's one of those two. And, and I'm really going to have to think on which one I think it's going to go to. And it's so impressive what she does, even compared to Alice and Janie's performance. Oh, absolutely. Because it's just such a different type of acting. Well, Cyril's got layers. Oh. And you can see all the other things about her that you're not seeing in the film. You can see it in her performance. You don't have anything like that in Alice and Janie's performance. You only see what was written on that page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's hard. Sorry, Laurie Metcalf, it's not going to happen for you. No. Sorry. Not even a little bit. All right, until next time, guys. Bye! That's a 
that's it for this episode. Please take a moment to review and rate us on iTunes. And for questions and comments, drop us an email at macintoshandmod at gmail.com. Color is very specific. Alma, from what I was able to tell, is the only one who wears bright red. Yeah. Uh, there, there's a hint when the Spanish princess comes. The Belgian princess. The Belgian princess. When she comes, she is wearing a slightly brighter pink. And that is the only person that Alma has felt threatened by. Yeah. So that was very clever. And... Uh, Reynolds, uh, his he's typically wearing he's either wearing an ascot, which is very British, or he's wearing a bow tie, but his bow tie is always askew. Huh. And as someone who pays as much attention to clothing, he's the type of gentleman who should have a perfectly done bow tie. It's always uneven, always because there's something completely uneven about his character. Absolutely, it's just brilliant. And then Cyril is always in. A, her the female version of a suit for her. Yes. It's the same silhouette. It's the same style. It changes color very subtly. But it it's almost... I think only in one scene does it appear to be somewhat patterned. Well, and I think I mean, We literally honestly, just saw this movie like two hours ago. And honestly, doesn't it seem like it gets more saturated throughout the movie? No, her color gets darker. Okay. And in the most important scene, she's wearing all black. But I feel like at the end it was bright blue. It was. Which means... Which also, okay, in, this, in the beginning scene, when he is uh, picking out the fabric for her dress, uh-huh. he takes that yellowish green clip, we'll save that for another day, the scene right after they've been married, when they go out on vacation, she's wearing that color. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so good. It's so good. And it's very telling that the first dress he make, made her is the dress she decided to wear when she wanted to defy him. Oh, of course. 